Following his fall from grace in London and a stint in rehab, a modern day version of Sherlock Holmes relocates to Manhattan, where his wealthy father forces him to live with a sober companion, Dr. Joan Watson. Formerly a successful surgeon, until she lost a patient, Watson views her current job as another opportunity to help people. However, Sherlock is nothing like her previous clients. He informs her that none of her expertise as an addiction specialist applies to him, as he's devised his own post-rehab regimen. Resuming his work as police consultant in New York City, Watson has no choice but to accompany her mercurial new charge first sight. Uh, I know what you're thinking. The world is a cynical place and I must be a cynical man, thinking a woman like you would fall for a line like that. The thing is, I have never loved anyone as I do you right now. Do you believe in love at first sight? I, I, know, I know what you're thinking. The world is a cynical place and I must be a cynical man. Spot on. Sherlock Holmes. Joan Watson. I've been hired by your father to be your sober companion. I'm here to make the transition from your rehab experience to the routine of your everyday life as smooth as possible. Look at this place, yuck. Can't wait for you to tidy it. You care to explain why you broke out of your rehab facility the same day you were being released? Bored. You were bored. No, I am bored right now. Happens often, you'll get used to it. You're a doctor, you understand. Uh, I'm not a doctor. We're a doctor. Surgeon, judging by your hands. You were a detective? I worked as a consultant at Scotland Yard. I wasn't paid for my services, and therefore I answered no one but myself. I've decided to resume my work as a consultant here, in New York. Consider every wretched hive of depravity and murder in this city my place of business. Unless, of course, you don't think you have a stomach for the work I do. I'm good. How do clients typically introduce you? You and I have what's known as companion-client confidentiality, which means that you can introduce me however you like. Friend, co-worker, relative, and I'll play along. Who's doing? It's Captain Gregson. Captain Gregson, this is Miss Watson, my personal ballet. Elementary is a modern-day adaption of Sherlock Holmes for American TV. The show debuted in 2012 and predominantly operates as a police procedural investigation show. Not to be confused with BBC series Sherlock, which is also a modern-day adaption, though that did premiere two years earlier. So way back in 2012, whilst battling off the last round of zombies, does anybody else remember the 2012 apocalypse the Mayans prophesied? I sure as hell do. At that time, we'd just had two seasons of the BBC show Sherlock, starring Benedict Cumberswang. The name's Sherlock Holmes and the address is 221B Baker Street. And Martin Freeman, AKA Bilbo. I was really into that show and was actually at the time riding the high of the Moriarty cliffhanger ending. I looked at this new American production and went, no thanks. Granted, I hadn't read anything about it or even looked at casting. I had my modern day Sherlock Holmes and that satisfied me. Why look elsewhere? Though arguably, as I do want to play devil's advocate,
I'd actually already had a modern day Sherlock Holmes inside the rest of you. And that was in the guise of Dr. Gregory House. Played by the great Hugh Laurie. Now I know what some of you are thinking, Dr. House has nothing to do with Sherlock Holmes. Well, I beg to differ. When you actually watch the show and think about it, there are a number of subtle and outright clues forcing references down your throat as to Dr. House being a modern day incarnation of Sherlock Holmes. Now, I'm not going to go into all of them or too much detail, as this episode is not about House. Though, if you are interested, go watch House, or at bare minimum, read the Wikipedia page about the connections. It's never lupus. Okay, so let's list a few. Clearly, the name House is a play on the word Holmes. Huh? Wordplay? Wordplay's good. Dr. House lives at apartment 221B. Come on now, we're getting there. Both are clearly addicts. Both play music in their spare time. Both are very socially inept. Both are geniuses with penchant for puzzles. And, much like Charlotte Holmes, Dr. House will diagnose and treat people purely by looking at them. No different to Holmes' powers of observation. I really did like House. Anyway, I've drifted off a bit. I essentially disregarded elementary without a second thought. No! It wasn't until late 2019 when I actually got around to watching the show and it hooked its claws into me. The show is set in New York, but fortunately, Sherlock is portrayed by British actor Johnny Lee Miller. Don't get any of that typical posh accents that American actors put on whenever they're playing someone English. No, we don't all talk like we're from Victorian Britain. Get with the bloody times and go to an accent coach for crying out loud. I must comment though that Johnny's accent does evolve over the course of the show. Given that Sherlock starts the show, having recently completed rehab and is somewhat getting accustomed to living in New York, still quite damaged and tender from his addiction. So he dresses very casual, unlike the typical upper-class English gentleman. Um, I'd say you, you'd often see him in like hoodies and all sorts. You'd almost mistake him for one of those hipster sorts. And he's unshaven and generally looks rather unkempt, though arguably that is rather unkeeping. Johnny actually has a number of tattoos, which typically tattoos get covered up when you're portraying characters. However, this show, they didn't cover them and it actually she works with Sherlock's vibe of sort of being out of recovery, having had a rough sort of time connected with the real world. And I think this really helps his character. I was talking about accents, weren't I? Well, Johnny initially starts talking and speaking with a typical British accent, much like my own. But over the course of the show, his recovery progresses and he gets better and better. He actually does start to talk slightly posher and in a more upper class manner, which I thought was an interesting little nod, not something you necessarily pick up on unless you're really thinking about it. I like the little things like that. The show does take a swerve by casting Sherlock's compatriot, Dr. Watson, as not only an American, but also a lady. Fortunately, this paid off by the wonderful Lucy Liu taking on this role. Her performance throughout is brilliant. Unlike the source material, this Watson is not a wounded veteran doctor, but instead a former surgeon who sought a career change after losing a patient. Joan Watson, not John, works as a sober companion and is employed by Sherlock's absent father as a living companion to keep him on the straight and narrow. Now to me, this whole concept was really bizarre. I actually had to look this up. I'd never heard of a sober companion, let alone a living one. I can only assume that's an American thing, but essentially she spends every aching minute with him to make sure he doesn't go back onto drugs and make sure he attends AA meetings to maintain his sobriety. Fortunately, Sherlock knows the captain of New York City Police 
having worked with him previously on an international case when he was at Scotland Yard. This does mean that Watson has no choice but to accompany Sherlock to all these horrific murder scenes, which I think is brilliant. As Sherlock keeps looking at her going, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? Like, all these bodies and that. And she's like, I was a surgeon, man. <laughs> I've seen the inside of bodies as well. Over time, Sherlock does start to use her medical knowledge during the investigations, and Watson even begins to develop her own deductive abilities, ultimately becoming Sherlock's business partner. By the end of the show, Watson has even started undertaking investigations herself without Sherlock's involvement, and has demonstrated that she's beyond capable. And I really like this, rather than having her as a typical female character in these sort of shows going, oh no, help me, I'm useless, what could I ever do without you? None of that bollocks. Joan Watson, Lucy Liu, is very capable and knows what she's doing, which really helped because initially when they cast a female Dr. Watson, I thought, oh yeah, well inevitably they're going to end up as love interests and it's all going to wind up that way. Nope. Throughout the entire show, they always remain friends. Well, eventually they become friends. But they never cross that line, nor do they have, uh, show any intention or inclination of crossing that line, which I thought was refreshing, going that a male and a female character in these shows did not need to end up together, which is something that you see happen in so many other shows. It just feels unnatural and not real. I quite like that the show did not go down that route. As previously mentioned, this show does follow a police procedural. However, I did find this hampered my enjoyment. Each season consists of 24 episodes, and we had six seasons at 24 episodes, with a seventh season only having 12 episodes. Now, that is quite a lot of police procedural. I tend to watch media in bulk. I will watch three or four episodes of something every evening when I'm on a binge. So having watched all of this over the space of six months, because I did have to take some breaks in between seasons, the police procedural aspect did get very repetitive. Typically, it consists of Holmes doing something peculiar, gets a phone call, goes to a murder scene, does some investigating, resolves a murder, on and on. What this show really works on is all of the little intricacies and running themes throughout and little nods to historical bits and pieces from his past. Granted, I just said that Holmes typically resolves these cases, but sometimes he has to consult his irregulars. Essentially, experts in fields where he is not. Sometimes if he needs technological assistance, he'll contact an elite group of hackers via the internet who would typically help him, but in exchange for a penalty. A brilliant example of this is where he had to take a bath in baked beans, or alternatively shave his head on camera for their amusement before they were providing him with the information he needed to progress the case. Everyone? Yes, they're ready. Here's what I don't get. I mean, you could shave your own head, so why do I have to do it? Um, partners in everything, I suppose, Watson. Okay, this is your last chance to get out of it. The humiliation will fade. The satisfaction of putting Frank Trimble behind bars will not. Let's get on with it. Another one of his irregulars is a maths genius. However, the maths genius can only do maths when he's not wearing a shirt. And this is brilliant because that dude had a big old beer belly. So anytime Watson walked into the room, it was quite funny watching her just stand there and go, what am I seeing? Why is there a semi-naked man in our house? And the guy would just be like, Oh, hi, I'm Sherlock Trendham, here to do maths. Got a smile on my face just thinking about it. I should probably mention that UK residents can stream this entire show on Amazon Prime Video. I'm not sure about our international listeners, as this show was originally produced by CBS, so it depends what contracts are in place. Some of the running plot points that I quite like throughout the show, especially in the earlier seasons, is that of Sherlock's father, who is eventually portrayed by John Noble. Throughout the early season, there are phone calls and emails and messages via courier, 
saying that Sherlock's father is going to visit and Watson would spend time making preparations and scolding Sherlock for not preparing for his father's visit. And Sherlock has always said throughout that his father has no interest in him and will never turn up. He's far too busy for that and this is just him acting on a whim. And every single time his father does not show up and Watson looks really disappointed and Holmes is like, told you so. His father does eventually show up, and I believe it's either in season four or season five. It's a great shock to Sherlock when he actually sees his father. Really put a smile on my face where a running joke is actually paid off. Sherlock's father is actually a CEO of a massive investment company and is extremely wealthy and essentially funds Sherlock by letting him live rent-free in the property in New York, as he had in London, which also means Sherlock's father has lots of international contacts and people that Sherlock can manipulate and twist our arms for information and assistance in certain cases by saying, if you help me, my father will be ever so grateful. With, of course, these individuals realising that Sherlock and his father's relationship is essentially non-existent. Again, brilliant little amusement. Another reoccurring joke slash character that I find amusing is that of Sherlock's sponsor from AA. He's a former car thief, which is why Sherlock likes him, as he's a non-conformist, who is now a consultant to car production security companies. Essentially, he tests their vehicles to see whether he can break into them and make suggestions for improvements to the systems. Every so often in the show, he will appear and ask Sherlock to try and break into a brand new vehicle that he's designed. This is always amusing. The show does explore Sherlock's backstory as to how he ended up in New York and the causation of his addiction, which initially, I didn't think we were going to see at all. But when it did happen, I thought it was brilliant. Essentially, Sherlock eventually trusts Watson enough to let him know how he turned to addiction. When the love of his life, Irene Adler, portrayed by Natalie Dormer, yep, you'll know her from Game of Thrones, is abductive and he presumes her dead. He turns to narcotics and has a downward spiral in London before he eventually moves to New York to escape his father and memories of Irene where he continues his descent into drugs before eventually going to rehab and getting clean. I thought this was a brilliant way to tie in one of the most famous characters. She's one of the driving factors of him turning into an inward destructive pattern. I thought that was some very good scripting and a brilliant idea. As you'd expect, it shows her to be massively intelligent. She also has an artistic flair as she works as a restorer of paintings, some of which forgeries she's made herself which Sherlock highlights to her, which again, just attracts him more to her. This is all told in flashback in a single episode, which I think is a far better method than constant flashbacks. I'm looking at you, Arrow. Fucking how many seasons of flashbacks? We finish with the flashbacks, and then what do you do? Fucking flash forwards. Come on, lazy, lazy writing. No. As you might expect, there are numerous callbacks to the novels, references from famous cases or character names. One of them that might stand out to you is Reichenbach. You may be aware of the novel Reichenbach Falls, which famously is where Sherlock Holmes dies, or slash fakes his death. In this show is the name of an actual character. So throughout the entire season where this character is present, you're going, hmm, I presume he's going to kill Sherlock. And the show does twist and turn to keep you on your feet, so nothing ever pans out in the way of which you'd initially imagine. Obviously, the big thing we haven't yet discussed is Moriarty. Moriarty is teased throughout the early season, but isn't mentioned by name until season two, when guest star Vinnie Jones... Don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut, bitch! Yep, Vinnie Jones. And you'll be pleased to know that he doesn't put on an accent Thank Christ for that. 
Vinny Jones is playing a serial killer who's been murdering people by hanging them up down and slitting their throats and leaving them in a puddle of their own blood. Sherlock eventually catches him after a few bodies mount up and Vinny actually reveals that he isn't a serial killer but actually a hitman killing people that Moriarty is deemed need to be taken out. I'm not what you think I am. I'm not a serial killer, I'm an assassin, I have an employer. The M.O.s, the notes, all the serial killer bollocks, that was him. This was quite cool, because through all along, I really liked that, how they took the police procedural and Sherlock assuming that he's dealing with a serial killer, actually turned out that simply he was a hitman killing all these people, benefiting a mysterious organisation. Very clever. I'm not going to ruin Moriarty on this show, but wow. It was brilliant casting, brilliant portrayal. I loved everything they did with Moriarty. This really would have knocked me off my chair if I hadn't popped onto IMDb when I was watching the initial season to check out some of the characters in great depth. And damn it, told me who played with Moriarty, which really ruined it for me. Guess I shouldn't be so interested in trivia. Lesson learned. The relationship between Sherlock and Moriarty is very similar to Batman and the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> where one will never kill the other. Again, I found this fascinating, but I liked how they decided that no, we want to keep this character, rather than do a movie thing of kill them off immediately, we want to keep them and use them throughout. I quite liked that. As previously mentioned, this is police procedural, which means that the show always has a cold open. One of the standout cold starts for me has Sherlock dressed in an all-in-white formal orchestra conductor's outfit. You then see Sherlock conducting and miming along to a town called Malice by the Jam. Truly wonderful sight to behold. The show has lots of cold starts and that is my standout favourite. The show had a brilliant ending at the end of season 6 with both characters ending up in London and for me this would have been a brilliant finale leaving the two friends where Sherlock ultimately belongs. However, a seventh season was commissioned but then was cut from 24 to 12 episodes which means the inevitable return to New York had a rushed conclusion and was shit. We did see a great little turn from Tamlin Grieg as a DCI for Scotland Yard. I'm getting calls every five minutes from bosses I never knew I had. The press is breathing down all our necks now. That was only for one episode which was the only episode, the only true episode I should say, that we had in London which feels like a shame. What I would have done is had two or three seasons in New York and then have a reset to London for the final season. And I think overall the show would have been much tighter and had really nailed the landing. But as with most American shows, they're always rather bloated. Again, I think this is a thing of the time where shows always had 24-part seasons and were aired weekly. Whereas with the advent of streaming, we get much shorter seasons now for everything and I always find the qualities that much better. It's worth saying that throughout the staggering seven seasons, Elementary was nominated and won numerous awards, with a meta score of 74 and a user score of 9.1. This tells us that Elementary was well received. For anyone curious, Sherlock, the BBC adaption, sits at 88 on Metacritic with an 8.9 user score, and House, or House MD as it's known overseas, has a matter score of 75 with a user score of 9.1. Ultimately, however you like your Sherlock Holmes, you can't go wrong.